0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Marketing Week Explores podcast with me, senior writer Charlotte Rogers and reporter Molly Fleming. It is Mental Health Awareness Week and in recognition of this important event, we wanted to devote this podcast to exploring what brands are doing to remove the stigma and support healthier conversations around mental health, emotional literacy and self-esteem for both children and adults. Molly, you've recently written a feature about the impact toxic masculinity has on men's mental health. What did
1: you find out? I explored how brands are raising awareness about male mental health and redefining what masculinity means. The current situation is pretty heartbreaking. 75% of all UK suicide victims are male. and In the UK, it's the biggest killer of men under 45. So discussing mental health is not only important, but life-saving. I spoke with a number of charities and brands about how they're tackling this toxic masculinity. And it obviously plays into brand purpose with brands who align themselves with the cause, creating more loyalty. But there also seems to be a genuine desire to solve the crisis in male mental health. Lynx did this by shifting its marketing model away from their kind of, if you remember, classic sexist ads and positioning themselves on this purpose of liberating men from a toxic version of masculinity. They launched this campaign called Find Your Magic, which called all men to find what makes them different and embrace that. And last year they also launched Is It Okay for Guys, which was based around questions that guys were asking on Google, like, is it okay to be friends with a woman? Is it okay to feel sad sometimes? Things like that. Essentially, the market's changing. Many men are unhappy at the way they're depicted in the world. and frustrated with that old school idea of masculinity. I mean, you only have to look at the t- stats on depression and suicide to see there's a serious dysfunction. One of those people I spoke to was chief revenue officer of the Book of Man, Mark Sanford, who's here with us now. Mark co-founded the Book of Man, which is an online platform looking to speak about male loneliness, fatherhood, and tackling sexism, and anything else to do with redefining that idea of
2: masculinity. Welcome, Mark, and thanks for joining us today. I guess, first off, can you tell me a little bit more about the Book of Man and why you decided to set it up?
3: Yeah, so uh, the Book of Man really kind of came about from uh, really kind of looking around what was happening in the uh, media landscape for men. and. There seemed to be a big gap in the middle. Um, At one end you had kind of the sort of elitist titles talking about who the perfect man should be and at the other end was kind of very um, sort of clickbaity, not particularly authentic kind of content going on for men Um, and there was nothing really in the middle that really felt like it was talking about men's emotions and ultimately the Book of Man is about um, men's well-being effectively and uh, and the idea that men have emotions and need to share them.
2: Yeah, I think that's really important. We've also seen a lot... Of brands becoming more knowledgeable about this. You've got ITV, you've got top Shop, top Shop, all of whom, Top Man rather, all of whom are working with Calm, the mm. campaign against living miserably, mm. the male mental health charity. Right. I know that you're doing stuff with them right. as well. Why do you think this issue is coming to the forefront now?
3: I think that. It's been it's been a long time coming. Effectively, there's been um, certainly a lot more conversation recently, which is great. Um, but I think obviously everything that's been going on recently with um, you know uh, the I suppose particularly the Me Too movement and the idea of toxic masculinity and the conversations around that I think has kind of almost created a swell of, of conversation around what's happening with men and a lot of people come to the service. So look, men are. In a very difficult position at the moment. You know, most men are not uh, the men that you see in the press, who are mm. giving most people a bad name, and and they are trying to do good, and they're they're trying to do good things, but they are going through lots of struggles, and it's an identity thing. It's, uh, you know. Uh, a position of being kind of almost stuck and not necessarily knowing where you are, so I think a lot of men are feeling anxiety more than ever, a lot of men are trying to figure out what their, their role is, and um, and that's leading to a lot of these kind of conversations around mental health, and I think in order to deal with these issues, men need to be talking more about it.
2: And that kind of idea of masculinity moving forward as well, we've seen this in links and things like that, what do you think, do you think brands are tapping into this new mm. idea of masculinity?
3: I think that brands as a whole um, need to be doing a lot more, Um, but I think there are certain brands that are really, um, really progressive and really championing this idea that, there isn't just one way to talk to a man, you know, men are very different, and there are lots of different types of men. And I think we need to sort of appreciate that. And I think there are some fantastic, you know, campaigns from the likes of Lynx, and also, you know, Dove, you know, to name, name a couple. Um, but also things like, you know, Think for the government, you know, the way they kind of talk to, um, to younger men about the, the sort of the perils of um, bravado in driving and drink driving and everything else, you know, they're doing it in a way that feels much more relatable to a particular audience and a particular breadth of audience as well.
2: You said you felt that brands aren't doing enough, some brands. Mm-hmm. What kind of role do you think brands have to play in t- toxic masculinity and well, male mental health?
3: I think that the, you know, fundamentally there's a, there's a, a bit of a disconnect between men and the idea of kind of role models and in, inspirers, really, and I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, why I think the Book of Man exists, really, is this this point of inspiration. And, you know, men don't necessarily want to be told off or told what to do, but they like to be inspired. and. I think there's a lot to be said about how brands inspire men in the absence of role models, for instance. So, you know, you've seen a lot in the press at the moment about um, you know, young men without role models or without father figures who are feeling even more lost than the, than the rest of us. And I think if brands can be in that space and filling that gap, then there's a really powerful opportunity for them, I think, to be able to talk to, to guys on a level that, that they want to be talked to.
2: And do you think that's what? men want from brands now. They want to be inspired, they don't want that old age, mm. kind of stereotypical manly man.
3: Absolutely. I think, you know, I think that I don't think I'd be out of, out of place speaking on behalf of of men that, you know, it's not it's not I think gone are the days of kind of you know the laddie lad who's at the pub with his mates kind of doing that stuff, yes, of course that happens, but in terms of how we talk to men, I think the idea of tapping into emotions rather than physicality and all those things is is the most important thing and and kind of engaging with them and and getting them getting a perspective on different types of men as well, you know, I think sort of one of the big things that that we're keen to to push is you can talk to. Any kind of man on the same level, whether you know, regardless of race, regardless of sexuality, etc. I think we need to have a conversation whereby we're talking to to all men that's suffering from 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 mm. some of these things, and I think brands have a big part to play in that.
2: Do you think that we're on the way to improving? Do you think that if brands keep moving the way they are, mm. that it will help with those numbers?
3: I think so, and I think there's a lot more. There's certainly seeing a lot more diversity I think in, in media but it's still nowhere near where it needs to be you know I think there's some pretty shocking statistics about you know uh, representation in 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 marketing and advertising from, from different um, you know different cultures etc so I think that we need to kind of be better at that and I think brands need to kind of be much more inclusive of uh, sexuality race etc.
2: What advice would you have to brands who are or people in marketing who are listening who think you know, this is a really important issue. I didn't realise male mental health was such a such a pressing issue. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice would you have to them to work on that?
3: I think I think the big thing, and you know, something that we we've done is is get down and talk to people and get in with different groups and find out what the hell's going on with. Because you know, there's lots of different perspectives on this and different opinions, and you know, we're not here with a silver bullet to be able to solve everything but i think by talking to people and getting a sense of what their frustrations are what's what's creating these issues and why it's suddenly coming to the surface to find out how they can help and i think there's a thing it's not just about at the end of the day it's not just about shifting products it's about putting yourself forward as a as a responsible brand who can actually do some good and help um you know, and we're starting to see more brands kind of on that agenda and trying to trying to do good with it. And at the same time, hopefully building up some loyalty to be able to sell products eventually. But ultimately, you know, there is a big responsibility, I think, um, you know, and everyone everyone kind of has a role in that.
2: And you're working with brands, aren't you, And Book of Man? Can yes. you talk me through that a bit?
3: Yeah, of course. So I'd say we're working with, um, uh, with Calm at the moment, who are a perfect partner for us in terms of... Uh, uh, mutually, mutual, mutually beneficial. I think in terms of the uh, the way we're working together, and there's some, you know, some fascinating uh, things that they are doing at the moment, as well as, um, you know, uh, outside of our what we're doing with them. Um, and in terms of kind of working with brands, we are very much talking to brands at a inception level. So we're talking at them at the point where they're starting to think about how they can change what they're doing, and it's it's about having those conversations early on to say. ultimately Book of Man is a vehicle to help um, get a important kind of agenda into the mainstream and I think that's really resonated really well with people in terms of saying right what's what's the challenge that we want to solve together rather than trying to solve you know problem that they have it's about how we can do it together and I think that that's that's been the ultimate thing.
2: Great and I guess um, finally what do you think the future of masculinity looks like?
3: Um, I hope... I hope the future of masculinity is bright. I think there's a lot of work to do. Um, I think there's it's always going to be a massive challenge to change an entire gender. <laughs> uh, it's a big ask, a big task. And I, I said that um, you know if the book of man has achieved uh, you know some good, you know then it's done its job. And I think that we are we are in a very good place right now to to put masculinity under the spotlight and start looking at what it is now and what it means now and what are the things that define it and what are the things that we probably need to refine a little bit more as we go. Um, I don't think anyone has has a specific answer to that. There's plenty of theories about what's happening with it. But um, hopefully if everyone starts working together, we can get to a good place.
2: Well, fingers crossed anyway. Well, thanks so much, Mark, for
0: taking time to speak to me. Thanks. So, my feature is focused on the experiences of children and the impact mental health issues have on their development. Um, Statistics from mental health charity Young Minds reveal that 1 in 10 children have a diagnosable mental health disorder equivalent to roughly 3 children in every classroom. Um, Almost 1 in 4 children and young people show some evidence of mental ill health, which includes anxiety and depression. In fact, half of all mental health problems manifest themselves by the age of 14. This can have very serious consequences. Suicide is the most common cause of death for boys aged 5 to 19, and the second most common for girls in that age group. Failing to address these issues in childhood can have a serious impact on adult lives, as Molly has highlighted. Young Minds research reveals that one in three adult mental health conditions relate directly to adverse childhood experiences. One brand tackling the issue head-on is Beano Studios, the comic and entertainment franchise. Beano Studios is teaming up with Young Minds on a new content partnership to help support children and help them communicate their issues around mental health. I'm joined by Beano Studios CMO Ian Saltbridge. Ian, given those stats um, from Young Minds and what that kind of shows us about what's happening to children, um, how does that sort of help the Bino think about its content strategy in terms of helping children communicate issues around mental health, confidence and emotional literacy?
4: Um, I think firstly hearing those stats made it very very clear to us what an important cause it is um, to state the obvious Um, and really uh, inspired us and made us all very very passionate about working with a charity like Young Minds. in order to help with some of their mission um, to, you know, kind of improve children's mental health. It made it very clear that it was something that our content should be addressing, that we as an organisation should be addressing, whether it's in the comic or on our website. Um, And I think it really strikes a chord as as Bino. Bino characters, um, we're 80 years old this year, um, and Bino characters have always been... uh, uh, slightly unusual. It's full of underdogs and outsiders, um, kids who manifestly aren't perfect, don't behave all that well, um, but it celebrates that. Um, and we kind of, we passionately believe in that. I don't think anybody feels like they're normal. Um, and Bino has always stood up for that feeling. Um, so in that way, it felt really, really natural. Um, and on com, which is our website and our app, um, which is for six to 12 year olds, Um, We spend so much of our time trying to entertain kids. Uh, We spend a lot of time talking to them in order to make sure that we're making um, entertainment about the right things. Um, And so from our perspective, we've spent a lot of time with kids and understood some of the pressures in their lives. So as well as reading some of these um, very powerful statistics, we are seeing because we speak to kids every single week, um, the pressures in their lives. And it, the work that we're, we're doing with Young Minds will range, you, t- you touched upon suicide, the really very, very serious end of the spectrum. Um, and we will kind of touch on some of the more serious sides of mental health, but also just that ability to identify how you're feeling um, and to be able to talk about that. So kind of emotional literacy and things like that.
0: Absolutely, and you talked there about the partnership with Young Minds, and I know that you're going to be doing something special around the uh, the No Comics 80th anniversary in July obviously that's still in the works but you can tell us a little bit about kind of the approach you're going to take in terms of content
4: yeah so um during july we will um across our digital network and the comic itself um, we will be focusing on this area um one of the reasons that young minds say that they wanted to work with us in the first place is uh and that we're really excited about and it's a really good challenge is that they find when they work with a lot of partners that they understandably treat mental health very, very seriously. Um, Whereas Bina, we're we're a kind of comedy brand, we believe in mischief and rebellion, um, and looking at things in a different way. So one of the things that we're working on with Young Minds is how we create kind of fun content about serious subjects, um, which should hopefully help engagement. And we're in the process of understanding exactly what it is that we'll make, Uh, but what is for sure that there will be um, funny videos, uh, and probably one of the things that works really well on our site is quizzes, and in particularly personality quizzes. Now, being Beano we run ridiculous personality quizzes, like what slime are you? Um, but they all constitute forms of self-exploration and self-discovery for kids. And um, so that's kind of one of the things that we've talked about. It'd be really interesting to all explore that space with them. And then, of course, the editorial in the comic and the stories that we're looking at hopefully will bring out some of the key themes.
0: So something that you guys have got in absolute spades is insight about Generation Alpha, so these children that are born from 2010 onwards. They're the children of millennials. um, They're very sensitive, very switched on about political events and popular culture. But um, as someone who knows a lot more about them, what are they like and what do they care about?
4: Um, so yes, yeah, so Generation Alpha, um, born in 2010, the same year as the iPad, um, is where the beginning of the the kind of demographic starts. Um, it's terrifying that the iPad was eight years ago. Um, it is a term coined by uh, an American demographer called Mark McCrindle. Um, uh, so we can't claim the term for ourselves. Um, but I think what. An interesting starting point for how to understand them is to look at, a little bit at their parents. So their parents are millennials. It's interesting, we we talk about millennials still sometimes as if they're a weird kind of new alien species who are um, changing the way we think about media. Um, but in fact, they're now kind of parents of the next generation. So to a certain extent, we all need to get over millennials. Um, but the important thing is... Uh, these millennials have obviously grown up through a few um, like interesting kind of social conditions. Um, the world's become a darker place as millennials are growing up. So, kind of at a big geopolitical uh, perspective. You know, they are, they are the children of um, of 11 of Al Qaeda, of uh, ISIS, and various things. Kind of the world's become a slightly less secure place. And Generation Alpha, we find are quite politically attuned because it's obviously big in the lives of their parents. Another is that they've, um, because of that, um, millennial parents are quite protective of their children. Um, So there's interesting statistics like uh, kids now spend, um, or 75% of children spend less time playing outside uh, than prison inmates do. Um, like playing outside is kind of, there's fear around that, uh, they're being protected. Another interesting one is is digitally. So um, as we're seeing a lot of recently, uh, in terms of people really understanding what is happening with their data, um, Millennials have splashed their kind of their personalities, their identities, and their data all over the free internet over the course of their lives, mm-hmm. and what we're seeing, uh, and they are to a certain extent, they're trying to reverse that in their children, um, as teachers are as well, um, and these kids are, from a in terms of our digital um, sides, we we had to almost completely redesign Bino in the first few months because of the way that we saw kids interacting. Um, we try to build the site as a, a kind of surprise and delight site, but actually kids are really nervous on clicking on things which they don't necessarily know where they're going to go. Um, so it's just a kind of, it's quite a small thing but it's, in, it's indicative of a larger um, habit and I think what we'll see is that um, these children will be much more choosy, much more cautious about their digital lives in particular um, uh, as we go forwards. Uh, And then, yeah, more broadly, what are they like? They are very socially conscious, they're very inclusive, Um, they are, we, as a comedy brand, we're constantly trying to make, find ways to make people laugh. One of the ways is taking the mickey out of people, satirizing, things like that. Um, And we find it's quite easy to overstep the mark with these kids. Comedy can, be, can get cruel sometimes in ways that we might not think are really overtly cruel, but these kids will pick up on it really, really quickly. Um, so it's one of the important balances for us as Bino, because we're a bit naughty, is, is always finding the right edge. Um, so they're a, they're a really uh, fascinating group. I think we, we will try to tread that line, but what your minds are telling us is that to really engage with this area, we need to switch back on the part of our brains that is all about engaging with kids and making them laugh in dealing with a subject that's really serious. Um, And that's a kind of, that's a really exciting challenge to have.
0: Amazing, thank you. Thanks, Ian, so much. That's been really, really interesting. Thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed the latest installment in the Marketing Week Explores podcast series. To read more of our coverage on mental health and wellbeing, visit marketingweek.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Thanks.